Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Uh, So I was preparing for this message a few weeks ago and and, uh, I had a friend come over and they they said, let's just hang out and watch a movie. So we're going to watch a movie together. And as we were talking, it was always painful, right? Picking a movie to find because you just, it's hard. And as we were going back and forth, they said, you know what? I have never seen... The Princess Bride. Must be like the only person on the planet. I said, sure, no problem. So we're watching this movie. As I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, I am very sure there's like a movie, there's a sermon title in this movie. So my working title for my message was this. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoyes. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> then I looked in the Bible and revenge not really so much in there. So we, <laughs> so we went with we went with today's title, uh, which is I don't think that word means what you think it means, and we're going to be talking about uh, the glory of God, and it's this big, huge topic. And you've pro- if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard this, and there, it's actually all through the Scripture where it talks about this. I think, though, sometimes we just have a vague sense of what that means. And uh, sometimes we're not even sure how to apply that in our life. If you take a look up on the screen, you're going to see a whole list of things that Scripture tells us to do. It said we're supposed to praise His glory, reflect His glory, recognize His glory, honor His glory, declare His glory, live for His glory. Woo! Okay, what's that mean again? <laughs> exactly do I? You know, it sounds like it, but it's big up here, right? What about down here in our everyday lives, in the things that we do, in our raising our family, in going to school, in doing my job? How do I do that and what does that look like? I want to take a few minutes and we're going to have a little bit of a kind of a teaching time to say what it looks like, what it is. And then I want to take a few minutes to really say, all right, what does that apply? How does that apply in our life and how we want to do? So here's the way I would understand the glory of God. God wants to put on full display for the whole world to see all of who he is. Let's put himself on full display to the whole world of all who he is so people come, can see and are drawn to him. And that's his plan. In fact, that was his plan right from the beginning all the way to the end. He wants to put himself on full display for the people. Now, we're going to get more into this. You would think if you're going to do this, God would do something absolutely spectacular, right? That would, he'd have to do like one moment of just showing up and going, Ba-da! and it would be good, right? Job done, go back to heaven. It's great because everybody would get that. Sort of doesn't work that way, does it? God has three ways that he gives that full display of who he is. And they're this is creation, Christ, and the church. I'll start with C. It's like it was a Church of the Rock sermon. (laughs) Beautiful. So how does creation work? The Bible says the heaven declares the glory of God. The skies proclaim him. So as you look at nature, here's what you as as a believer can do that, that really helps you get this, is you don't look at a nice sunset and go, oh, isn't that beautiful? I'm going to take a picture. No, I'm going to take a selfie with it. See, how would that work? And make that. 
you look at that sunset, you look at nature, you look at that mountain, whatever it is, and you allow your spirit to go to say, wow, God, you're amazing. Um, the whole point of creation is to display God's glory. And so as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, as a believer, you can ask, what is it that God is revealing through creation? So I have a few pictures, and, and I want to just kind of put them out for you so you can see them, and then we will talk about what that is. So I am driving from Winnipeg to Swift Current. Anybody made that trip? Yeah. I don't believe in purgatory, but if there was a purgatory, that's it, right? So I'm driving along and doing this, and all of a sudden, I'm in Saskatchewan. For most people, like, can anything good come from Saskatchewan? I'm from Saskatchewan, so whatever. (laughs) You sort of wonder, though, right? And I see this sunset coming, and it's like, boom. And and, um, for me, when I looked at that, I thought about the radiance of God. And who he is, right? You get where I'm going here? Second, second picture. This is the only selfie my wife and I have ever taken. <laughs> you can tell what age we are. Right? We were, <laughs> this is sort of during a time when we were getting away and doing that. And we just literally sat at the ocean and watched the waves coming. And that can be like very relaxing and very good. But creation was meant to display God's glory, right? It's meant to put him on display, And as we were sitting there and watching this, we thought, wow, look at the vastness and immensity of who God is, this ocean that he has created to make it happen and make it come in. Next one. Let's let's not look at the bird for a minute. Um, It's hard, isn't it? (laughs) He photobombed me. Can you believe it? (laughs) So uh, I'm off uh, just after the pandemic, getting myself all straightened back, straightened out, and uh, I'm at this, this restaurant that's out on a dock, and it was a really crappy restaurant, the food was terrible, the service was even worse, and I would go there every morning and just sort of focus, and Eileen was doing her devotion, so she got me out of the house, and I would sit there, and I would look out over that scene, and there was a piece that came over me because as I was opened up my phone and began to think about scripture and about who God is, uh, there was a sense of his presence that came when I was outside and just letting it all go. So I took the picture and boom, the bird comes. I was going to try to find some deep spiritual meaning for that. I got nothing. It's a bird. Uh, so you understand this, right? As, you, as God wants to reveal himself in creation, your job as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, is not just say, oh, isn't that nice? But to say, how is God displaying himself in the world? And it can be actually very simple. It, it can be a walk in St. Fatale Park. It can be wherever you are that God wants to bring into display something of who he is. And he wants to show you that increasingly increasing. The second one is this, is that he wants to display himself through the church. To him be glory in the church. And uh, I have to be careful how I say this, but, you know, sometimes the church is not glorious. Amen? <laughs> Some of you go, what? I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Because we aren't. And sometimes we're not fantastic, but all of these things that we're talking about, these first two, are actually a reflection of God. We don't actually have to get it. Person don't, 
people don't have to be perfect. There isn't a sense of that. But what there is a sense of is that we can take a look around in our relationships and how things happen, and there is a sense of who God is in the middle of that. And I, I want you to think about uh, the disciples when they first came and Jesus brought them together. There was Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. And these were about as far out as you could possibly get. Over here, oh, I'm getting in so much trouble for this. Over here is like a rabid Donald Trump supporter, right? And over here is a rabid Trudeau supporter, right? Wait, some of you are going, now I got internally all wired up. Bad example, forget that. But you get it, right? These two people have nothing in common with each other, and Jesus puts them on a road trip and makes them roommates, Right? And you know what happens? These guys who hate each other and the ideology and everything else realize that there is something more important than their things that they were getting all worked up. And they'd actually given their life for, right? These people, this Simon was a zealot. He'd given everything and sold out to be that, but he found something greater than his political views and everything else going on, and it was Jesus. You know what happened? The glory of God was displayed in these two guys figuring out how to make it happen. You know what, friends? That's the church. It isn't that we're all perfect. It isn't that we don't have some uniqueness. But it's that God comes and brings us together and we see him coming out of the situations that we work in. And God says, let me display who I am through you. Sort of takes your breath away, doesn't it? Because we know who we are. But God says, no, 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 no. I, I am going to display who I am through you. Creation, the church. And the third one is through Christ. And so we're going to take... Look at John chapter 13, John chapter 13, sorry, 12. And uh, we're going to take a look at a scripture passage there and see how this happens. This is the third time in, our, in uh, the New Testament where God comes and uh, he, one of the three times where God comes and he talks to Jesus in an audible voice. And the first was, was his baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I am. Well pleased. He'd done nothing, and God gives him the absolute blessing of making it happen. And so he does that. The angel spoke over him, and there is uh, an ability of the transfiguration. If you remember that, where Old Testament figures come, you're going to see a picture of it coming up here, cartoonish picture. The Old Testament, where you see these, these, um, these Old Testament figures coming up, and at the end of the day, they are standing in front of Jesus, and he says, this is my chosen one, listen to him very small group of people. And now the third one is this scripture that we're going to read. It's a little bit longer, so what I'm going to do is sort of make commentary in between. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. There we go. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. It's what Jesus did, but it's also what we get to do. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. 
Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant also will be, and the Father will honor those who serve me. Now, that first section is talking about God's view and how we do it and as, as it comes out. Now comes sort of the key verse for us. Kind of think Garden of Gethsemane, guys, when, when Jesus is about kind of really faced with right before the time that he dies. This is great preparation for Easter. He says, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. So he's got a choice. No, it was for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Say glorify. Then a voice came from heaven and he says, I have glorified it right from the beginning, and I will glorify it again. It's right to the end. It's actually what God is doing throughout all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And the crowd was there, and this is, <laughs> this is a little bit of the answer to why God doesn't do that big grand display. You ready for it? And the crowd was there, and some heard, and they said it thundered. So God comes, makes a big display, and says, glorify my name. And somebody said, hey, is that thunder? Hey, did you hear the thunder? Hey, that was thunder. Uh, <laughs> right? Well, seriously, God spoke down to heaven, and it's like thunder. <laughs> this is why uh, it isn't just about that. God actually has a better plan than that. Now, the second thing is he says it wasn't just that it was thunder, but he says, and he says, others said, an angel spoke to them. So there was some sort of mystical, weird experience that they couldn't even put anything any tangible. It was some angel. It was like zombies that came, I'm pretty sure. There's no, there's no substance to that, is there? But then, here we see. But Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit and not mine. And he explained what was going on. He says, now is the time of judgment for this world. This is the pinnacle moment where everything changes in the history of mankind. Now the prince of this world will be driven out and I will be lifted up. When when it says I will be lifted up, what's he talking about? The cross, right? He says, I will be lifted up and I will draw how many people? All people to myself. This is Jesus is the pinnacle moment of God showing himself to everybody and saying, This is who I am. And we're going to talk about how, maybe in the same way you haven't seen that and understood that, how the cross is so incredibly important. And the crowd said, we must have heard for the law of Messiah will remain forever. How can you say the Son of Man will be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus said, you're going to have the light for just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before the darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know it because believe in the light while you have the light so you may become children of light so god's glory reflects off of you to the people around you so what is it that we can say to or dig just a little bit deeper to say what is it that it's the glory of god in the old testament 
the glory of God is literally like the weight of God. It's his supreme importance. It's he's what really matters. And he shows himself in a whole bunch of different ways. From one story to another, you'll see God revealing himself to say, I am the most important thing. I am. And through the stories you see in Isaiah, where Isaiah is coming before God, and all of a sudden he shows up in full measure, and he goes, whoa! Like the story, Isaiah 6. He goes, well, I'm an unclean man. I'm I'm a terrible person. And all of you are terrible too. This is what happens when you see how absolutely important God is. There's nothing more important than him. And, And story after story, God reveals to say his glory. The word used there is actually, he is of supreme importance. There's no one more important than him. So that's kind of the Old Testament version of it. That's the first part of it. And in saying that, what it does is it creates the first part of what God's glory is. God's glory is that there is nothing more important to him. He is of supreme importance. Now, you and I, if you've come to church for a while, you would say, yeah, I think I know that. And I think that that's important and we're striving for that. But I think if we're honest, we're all a work in progress on that, aren't we? Because there's a lot of things in our life that end up taking a lot more importance than God. And if we're really honest, it just is true. And so what God is doing and working in us is always showing his importance to us. He's always revealing to us, hey, you know what, all these things you get tied up about, all these things that you're doing, nothing wrong with them, they're life. But he's always revealing to you how important he really is. I was at um, two funerals over this last year where I, I did them, and uh, both of them were of older people who had had a profound influence on their grandchildren. From the time they were very young and the, and the grandparent played with them to the time they got into their early 20s when, when the grandpa died. The people were divided into two camps, and you've probably seen this before, and it's actually kind of heartbreaking. Everybody was sad at the funeral because this person had been always there. Grandma was always there, and now grandma was gone. And they couldn't imagine, both of them, I was thinking of two grandsons, couldn't imagine life without grandma because she was the one who understood grace and they had talked to through their troubled teenage years and everything else. One of them couldn't sit through the funeral as soon as a poignant moment came up, just burst out crying and had to leave. The other one shed her tears kind of quietly. And it wasn't a personality thing, it was this. this. This gentleman over here knew Jesus, and this guy didn't. And it was just heartbreaking. Because you know what? When you come to the end of life, and when things really come down to what really matters, you go, oh my goodness, the only thing that really matters is my life with Jesus. Because everything else sort of falls away, right? And when we come into those moments, God is teaching us to say, this is the weight of my glory. This is what really matters in life, is who I am. And all the other stuff that we pursue, it's fine. But it needs to find its place. If you're someone who loves to work, and and this isn't like exclusively men, but sometimes men, we get caught up in this thing where our work becomes the thing and we're making money to support our family. Is that a good thing? Can that be a terrible excuse for being a workaholic? You were less enthusiastic on the second one. (laughs) 
And what happens is, if we make work more important, we crush our family. And we let them drift, and they don't find the place. If we make our family more important, then all of a sudden everything doesn't work, and we put these, these um, I guess we could use the same word, we put these, these crushing weights on them because our family has to fulfill all our desires and wants. When we put God here, our work here, and our family here, when we put them in the right order, then there's oil, and it flows. Does that make sense? And I think as you live your life, God is constantly pushing you to say, you know what, when I am in, in that important place in your life, when I, and, and we work it out, folks. It isn't that we do it once and, oh yeah, I got it, God's the best and I love him. And we, God continually is working in us because that's when everything comes in its place. And that's when you can have the greatest joy is when God comes first. And he is massively at work in it. I remember talking to one of my... Uh, one of Eileen, my dear friends, and uh, she had had five um, miscarriages, and the fifth one was almost to term, the full term, and uh, it was absolutely devastating. And I, watching from the outside side, you know, when somebody's gone through trauma after trauma after trauma, you just think, oh my goodness, how is this poor young lady going to make it? And she shared a story with me that I thought was absolutely amazing. I think it was near the near the last one, where she had been in the hospital and she was in the same room as a bunch of other ladies who were in the same situation as her. And her heart was absolutely broken. God, what's wrong with me? What did I do? How come this isn't working? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you helping me? Right? All those things, those questions that we ask that are okay to ask. God's big. He's got it. And in that moment... As she described it to me, it was absolutely fascinating to see what happened. Because God is the most important thing in her life. All of a sudden she raised her eyes up and she looked around. And she realized that this room was full of a bunch of ladies who probably didn't know Jesus. Who probably didn't have any hope. And who probably, all those things that she was questioning and worrying about. Those questions would never go away for them. They were going to be jammed there forever. Because Jesus is the only way we deal with these things, right? And all of a sudden, she began to pray for the ladies around her. You know how that happens? That happens when you've lived your life imperfectly trying to say, you know what, God, you are the most important thing in my life. Would you come and would your weight of who you are, just let it continually flow over me because I tend to make life about me. Wouldn't it be great if the whole universe just orbited around you? Let's be honest. There are times where we think, oh, if only. And actually, just, you know, got to be honest, there are times you live like that. It's super annoying to the people around you, but they love you and they put up with you. But we live... Like the whole universe was around us. And what happens when the weight of God's glory, when who he really is, that Old Testament version of it comes, all of a sudden, we, it, it allows life to find its place. So that's the Old Testament. But the Old Testament needs the New Testament in every way to fulfill it out. And here's what, here's what the word glory is in the New Testament. It's absolute beauty. Because if we're just over here, 
it can feel like I just do my religious duty and I just do this and make it happen. And, and it's, I re, it, it's this. I remember when I was in growing up and I was in church in a great little church. Uh, and one of the speakers came and he said, you know, you have a problem. And your problem is this. You know lots of things in your head, but your heart isn't there. Is that true? Is one of those truisms of all of us. We know all sorts of stuff. You've been around church for a while. You know the absolute right thing to do all the time, mostly. Do you do it? Okay, whatever. (laughs) Of course you don't do it. (laughs) You would have way more money than you have right now if you always did it. Your relationships would be way better if you always did it. And I remember thinking to this guy, this guy's got the answer. I'm going to listen to this guy. And he says, you know what the problem is? pick on you the problem is that he pointed to some guy and he says because we have men with no chests (laughs) i was thinking oh okay what does that mean exactly he says the says you know what your your head your heart and your will he says the problem is you need a stronger will i thought oh the problem is i need a stronger will i thought wow i'm in trouble (laughs) because You're not just going to will your way into this. There is something else that God wants to do. And so he brings that second part, the New Testament part of glory, which says, I want you to get my absolute beauty of who I am because that is actually what's going to draw me to you to me. And it's what's going to keep you with me. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, right? It's the beauty of God, and there is nothing more beautiful than this. In Scripture, when in Revelation, the angels and the elders see God, they literally spend all day in his presence. He is so beautiful. He's so amazing, and it's hard for us to kind of get that full picture We get a little bit of it in worship when we're swept up in something. But there's this awe and wonder that happens. And that's who God is. And Jesus, the most beautiful, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the most beautiful um, that you will ever see comes down to earth. He lets himself be pulverized, destroyed physically, And then came to the place where um, he was emotionally separated from God and physically separated from God. And there was a break in him. All through eternity, folks, there had never been a break between father and son. Ever. And this is why in verse 27, he says something that if you just stop halfway through the verse, this is so important to us. He says, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. In other words, he's saying, God, I don't want to do this. You know, I, I know a lot of Christian people, including my dad and other people who have died, and they have died so peacefully. Jesus did not die peacefully, right? He's in the garden. He's wrecked. He wants it to go away. I want you to get this. 
Jesus is cringing inside with everything because he realizes not the physical pain. The physical pain was what it was. A lot of people have died terrible deaths like that. But there was the fact that he was going to be separated from his father, eternally bound, most glorious. The most beautiful one was pulverized and put in place and then separated from his father. And he knew that was coming. And he chose to be lifted up and put on the cross. And here's why. And he said this, friends, this is what love looks like. And that most horrendous scene of a pulverized Jesus is actually the most beautiful picture you will ever see. Because he died for you. It's absolute beauty. It's hard to look at. You can't imagine it. But he said, I died. I got separated. I got pulverized for you. And the glory of God, yeah, he's most important. But the New Testament says, you know what he really is? He is absolute beauty. Because the thing that you long for more than anything in your life is that love that God gave you when he had no reason to give it. He gave it to you anyways. That's the glory of God. Most important. Supreme importance. And in the same way, absolutely beautiful. On the cross, looking down, saying, I did this for you. I want to display who I am. I want to put on full display. You would have never thought of that plan, right? You would have thought, I want him to do, come down, do some miracles, zap people. Instead, what he does is he gives everything and he lets it be displayed to the whole world in utter shame, utter agony, separated from his father. There are some of you in this room who might have had the situation where you lost a child or you lost someone close to you, and you have a sense of that tearing that happens. Jesus knew fully that that was coming, and he did it for us. And that is the perfect picture of absolute beauty, because he did it for you. So friends, how do we do this? What is, how do we live it out? How do we get, not get caught up in our life? Um, I have a friend who, who has this saying, and he's sort of consistent with his personality. He says, well, you know, if I want to get the glory of God, I just, I sit, all my life, I just sit under the spout where the glory comes out. I'm thinking, I have no idea what that means. (laughs) Like, maybe that means something to you. That's fantastic. I'm thinking, where's my spout? (laughs) Exactly. Must have missed it or something, right? Um, there, is, there, there are two things that I want to encourage you with as we finish off this message. The first thing is this. Um, the glory of God is going to come to you. It's going to come alive in you. It's going to build in you when you understand that you don't need to waste your struggles. You don't need to waste those, those things that are happening to you. Going back to verse 27, I want to read it again. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. You're going through whatever you're going through. He says, no, for this very reason, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. 
as you go through whatever you're going through in life, if you want this to become more real to you, Jesus gives us the answer. He says, you know what, God? Whatever is happening here now, I want, I'm going to make my bottom line is that you be glorified. I want you to be displayed in what I do. It's been three years since our friend Pastor Keith died. And um, because it was during pandemic, we had to zoom in and prayed for him every morning. And he was believing, and we were believing with him, that he would have 20 or 30 more years. Um, the, the thing that I'm going to remember most from my time with him at the end was this. I remember him looking up at us and saying, I'm going to believe for that, or we're going to do that. And we said, yeah, absolutely. He says, you know what? If it's better for the kingdom that I live, I want to live. But if it's better for the kingdom that I die, then I want to die. And it's like, oh, yeah. He is so important to me. He's given me absolute love, and he's so beautiful. Everything can find its place. Even living can find its place. Because what happens in our life is that God takes the things that we're struggling with and he uses them to refine us, to actually take the things that are too important and move them down to the place where they actually find their order in life. And you can be at peace no matter what happens in your life. Folks, here's my challenge to you. Isn't that really how you want to live? You, you know this. This is life, up and down, up and down, up and down. And you don't have to go up, and you don't have to go down. There is a, a way to live to say, you know what, God, my whole existence here is actually to have you on display. And if I do that, everything falls in the right place. Even this terrible thing that I'm going through right now. All I want to do is really have you up there displayed. Because that's really what my best purpose is. The second thing is this. And this is more for like an us thing. We can anticipate, we can become children of light, anticipate how God made you. I, I was thinking about you as I was preaching this sermon. And thinking about preparing the sermon. And I thought, you know what? You're a, you're a more wise person than when I first met you. And, and you, are, you are way more gentle 22 years ago. And you have a heart that's soft before God, way better than it was 20 years ago when I first met you. And God is in the midst of changing us to become more like him. It says he's changing us from glory to glory. And, and when I look at my life, I sometimes, this is a terrible joke, I understand, but I, I, it go, sometimes goes from gory to gory. Right? You know why that is? Because you don't actually see yourself. Other people see you. And, and literally, as I began to think about the congregation, I was thinking, man, that person's more wise. That person's more kind. That person's more gentle. Do they have a whole bunch of other stuff going on? Yeah. But God says he's changing. And, and in Corinthians, he talks about the fact that we're, we're pots of clay. And but the, the, that the glory of God is inside, and and the image that has always stuck with me is, yeah, that's true. We're a bunch of cracked pots, right? Now here's the thing with cracked pots: 
if you're going to just look at the outside and all the pot and the stuff, it's pretty ordinary, it's pretty plain, it's pretty whatever. But if outside of that pot comes the glory of God, his importance, who he is, and it's displayed to the world, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, of course the pot has to look like the pot. Otherwise people would say, oh, you're awesome. And that's not the point. Because you're not awesome. God's amazing. And he takes us in our brokenness, in our absolutely ineffectiveness, in our things where we just, if people knew who you really were, if they saw all that stuff that you really did, you know, even the stuff that you don't know about, I can go on too far with this, but I won't. And God takes that and he shows through that cracked pot that he comes out of it. And who he is all of a sudden is displayed to the world. People go, oh yeah, that guy? Look at that thing that he did. Wow. How could he be so peaceful in the middle of that situation? He's not naturally all that great. And the glory of God is displayed for the whole world to see. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you this week to take some time to think about the people around you and talk about the way that God comes out of them because they don't see it. They only see and think about the stuff that's not fantastic, mostly. The enemy is for sure whispering in their ear that they're not doing well. And your job, our job as a church, is to look somebody in the eye and to say, hey, you know what? This is amazing what I see in you. Or do, like, that's the Aubrey version. I'm a little more, yeah, you know. What's your version of that? Take some time and do that with each other. Because the glory of God is displayed through his creation, is reflected in us, and is absolutely beautifully displayed in Jesus. And that's what he wants to show the world. And that's what you can show as you live your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? Yeah, you can give the Lord a hand. If you wouldn't mind bowing your heads, closing your eyes, we want to end this service in a couple of ways. I'm going to ask you, first of all, if there is something, that you, a decision that you need to make. And, and secondly, I want to just talk and have us pray about that sense of really God being coming out of us and and understanding who he is. Is there anybody here this morning with all your heads bowed and eyes closed that say, I need to give God leadership in my life? Maybe I've never done this. Maybe you have and you've slipped away. Just raise your hand up. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you. So we're going to take some time and we're going to pray. And if we could pray it all together, that would be great. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, even though I can't fully grasp it. I thank you for what he did on the cross. I thank you for the absolute love, the absolute beauty of dying for me. Today I choose to give him leadership. You are my Lord. You are my God. Help me to display your glory to encourage others in how they display your glory in jesus name amen give the lord a hand thanks for joining us 
We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app. 